are now live and on lockdown. Are you ready? Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland and across the globe. Listen here. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders podcast on Hearts on Live Radio with your host, Fraser Ramsey. Hi, this is Afia Letha from KingdomBeats.com. Proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders on heartsonglive.co.uk. Good evening and welcome to another edition to Ramsey Unleashing, going beyond borders on heartsonglive.co.uk. We are live with our special guest, Hurt Porter III, coming up in the show. We are having our Remembrance Day special, Remembrance Weekend, as we, the 11th of November is the day we remember the fallen from the, the World War Two and the, war, the World War One as well. For those who serve, whether it's in the, the war or the, the army or the navy, etc. And for those who have fallen to give us that freedom that we have today. And we bow our heads in remembrance to these people who have given up their lives and sacrificed for us to be able to have, the, have that democratic freedom that we have in, in our countries today. So we give thanks for those. But uh, we have we are going to be talking to my guest in a short while, to Hurt Porter, um the third from Houston, Texas. He'll be talking about his time in the Navy Corps, talking about um why where he was from, his growing up days and also what made him choose the Navy Corps and uh, what he does now with helping ex vets, etc. Uh, people who are in uh, PTSD, etc, etc. So we will have more info on that. We will have a minute's silence during the show uh, and remembering and have a bow our heads just in a prayer to say thank you for those who have served and who have gone um, with, uh, at a young age by fighting to give us that freedom. So we say give thanks to these people. Uh, we are live on Facebook as well. Uh, if there's any comments, I will uh, chat and mention you if you're listening or watching on Facebook. If not, as I say, we are we welcome our guest, Hurt Porter the Third, all the way from Houston, Texas. Welcome to Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders. Hey Ramsey, thank you. It's really great to be here. You you contribute a lot to the community, so it's really cool to be on your show. Appreciate having you, having you. So. Tell us, who is Hurt Porter the Third? Why the Third? Tell us about where you're from uh, growing up and uh, why the Navy Corps? Well, um, I am 44 years old and grew up in Houston, Texas in the United States. And why Hurt Porter the Third? Because my grandfather was hurt, my father was hurt, Junior, and I'm Hurt the Third. Will there be any more? No. My son's <laughs> name is Ashitaka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I said there will be no more after me. <laughs> so I gave my, I, I saw the movie, uh, the the anime Princess Mononoke, and I was like, man, what a name! And so I gave my son's name the name Ashitaka. Cool. And, um, but I, I was born and raised in Houston and, you know, lived life like most of everybody. But what really changed my path and direction was September 11th. Because mm-hmm. I was in college getting a multimedia web design degree back in 2000. And, well, actually, 
Yeah. So we'll just say 2000. And when Sep- when 9-11 happened, September 11th happened, I literally dropped out of school and joined the military. Okay. And the reason why I picked the Navy was they had corpsmen, which is medics. Okay. And Navy corpsmen are some of the best medics in the world as far as the and training is concerned. Okay. And how do I know that? Because I traveled the world teaching medics, and I got a chance to see, you know, the, the the level of medicine. Now Israel has some amazing medics, and Japan has some really great medics. But we, um, I, I chose the Navy because of the medics, and and I uh, wanted to be a combat medic. And so I joined the Navy. Got into medicine, became a corpsman, and then from there joined the, joined with the Marines. And from the Marines, I went to Iraq. And then after I, um, and Iraq was quite interesting because I was um, I was on the transition team where we were training Iraqis how to fight. Mm-hmm. So I was training them medical, and there, there was there was a team of twelve, and there, I think it was it was no. 12? Yeah. It was about 10 or 12 of us with four or five translators. And we literally did 16-hour days training um, the Iraqis and and preparing them to defend their homeland. And it was it was quite interesting. Before you, well, what would you probably going to do two more details of what you did when you were at the Navy Corps. Tell us the... I mean, um, you're saying you're at your college, obviously you're doing, was it web design, you said, just there? Okay. Yeah, I was going to the Art Institute of Houston. I was going to get my bachelor's degree in multimedia web design. And that was back in 2000 when it was just getting started, where people were just starting to embrace the internet, just starting to really take it seriously. And social media hadn't hadn't become so i was on the ground floor and i was loving life and uh but once september 11th happened i would it no longer interests me okay so that what was that what, what just uh after all that happening and uh i mean just uh I mean, how did it affect you mentally or I mean just seeing it and really just to suddenly switch that off to say oh i'm not interested in words like then suddenly just jump to the going to join the navy is certainly a big jump and a big transition oh it was huge man i i um i left within 30 days of signing up (laughs) wow and i that was intentional right i was like how soon can i leave and they were like we we can get you out of here as as soon as 30 days i said great sign me up wow so you're obviously the navy corps obviously the the medics i mean what training i was the training etc regarding that you went through how be, was the training or, well no how well i meant to say uh, i mean going through the training process of being something sort of like the navy corps you said medics are the best in the world i mean how, what was the training like to get to the stage that you had to be or did you was it just a process of on the job kind of training type of thing well course course school navy course school is about three to four months and it's from like seven o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the afternoon for about three months. And by the time you graduate, you have the knowledge and you can pretty much take the uh, licensed vocational nursing exam after you graduate from core school. And 
and and and be a reg and be a nurse. And the only reason where you can't be a registered nurse is because of college. But a lot of guys went to uh, uh, two years of college and just got their their nursing degree. But the the training deals with a lot of combat medicine. You know, we go to the, the ABCs of of trauma and dealing with the basics of how trauma lasts. And we, you know, you, you learn you learn really how the body dies. And it and it and the conversations that happen in the military versus because I've been in civilian school for medicine, I've been in military school for medicine. Very different conversation. Like military school for medicine is okay. If you do this, 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 the person bleeds out. They die in thirty seconds. Right. Good grief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you take certain arteries. You cut. You can bleed. Some you can bleed out. One of the one of the things like the first and and it's so funny because Americans the military they're 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 strong but they don't seem to be that smart. Because every single conflict that happens, your first year, your first two years, you're going to lose, you, you, you lose a lot of people. And you don't lose people to like death casualties, like getting shot and they die. You lose people for bleeding out. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of, um, the first two years of the Iraqi war, a large majority of the people who died, died from bleeding out they didn't die from the injuries that they were given right okay <laughs> and yeah so you so that there's a huge um um stress on how to take care of people to keep them from dying and in the civilian world if, if you're a medic and you're out you're gonna hook somebody up with an iv well, in the military world in the combat world you don't hook somebody up to an iv you can kill them because an IV thins your blood, and if you put somebody on an IV and you got two to three hours before a helo comes or something like that, well, you basically thin their blood. And so, if they were if they were bleeding out before the IV, they're really bleeding out after the IV. Good grief, my word! Yeah. So there's just lessons you there's just lessons you learn that that aren't really talked about in the civilian world. Okay. That's all. That's interesting. But what, so you've talked a bit about your training and what you've learned. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll come into more of the insights. So after your training in the Navy Corps, um, just in what you, the things you've experienced and the people you've met and they come across and how many sort of your years you were there uh, and when you, you left, really. And we'll kind of take it from there. Then we'll have our sort of minute silence and we'll talk about um, just for Remembrance Day a little bit what you know about Remembrance Day obviously we do how we do it over here and what you do over there how you do it over there as well so right, we can right. do that so we'll be back after uh, Andrew Sullivan's uh, song if I can just find it which I have put somewhere which I have it hmm. I, awesome I don't know, I'm going to play a song but I just <laughs> I haven't put it in my end I haven't put it in my uh, uh, I had it there two seconds ago, but I haven't. I will actually be two, <laughs> just talking amongst yourselves, everybody. I actually, I didn't actually uh, put it back in my thing. Two seconds. I will be back in a minute. Uh, I'm going to just quickly put it in. So let me just talk about. Tell us about um, life. And what I mean, how, uh, life in Texas. Tell us about, about Texas. What's it? What's going on at the moment in Texas? Well, I quickly just put my uh, song 
in the um, in <laughs> tell you about life, life in Texas. Tell us what's going on. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us for those who've never been to Texas. Tell us what's life going on in Texas because I'm kind of having you to talk uh, about the talking about the place where we could legally carry weapons. They, they passed a law where we can carry a sword now. So you got some guys walking around in sword and walking around with swords strapped to their bodies. It's kind of cool. Good grief. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it, it's funny. Now you can't really use it practically, but it's still kind of cool. Um, I don't know. It's 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 uh, Houston, Texas is the I think the third largest city in the in in the country. It's definitely I think the second or the most diverse city in the country, and it's still a very it still has a a very small town kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. And it's huge. You know, Houston, I think there's about 6 million people in just the Houston um, um, vicinity. And we have t- so many different festivals. There, There's like the Latin festival, the Indian festival, the Scottish festival. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's um if you want to know diversity, this is definitely a city you want to check out. Okay. And you know they talk about racism and etc. In America, you don't see it. You you see it in Houston, but it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's it's incredibly subtle because there's so many diversities. It's very difficult for people to get away with being racist over here. Right. Okay. Yeah, not that they don't try, because they do, and they're very effective, but it, it's just the way they try to make America sound is like the whole country is just racist. But right. there's certain places in America that are racist and not. And Houston is one of those interesting places. Okay, let's go. Um, let's see. I enjoy it. I, I moved I moved from California when I was in the military back to Houston because my son was here, okay. and I wanted to raise him. And, uh, but it, it's back then. I feel good to give me a choice. I wouldn't have come back. Okay. So you married before? Were you been married? No, just previous. Say that again. But were you married before? Was this a previous relationship? Oh, was I married before? Yeah, yeah I was married. Um, okay. I married a, uh, I married back in 1989. I got married, uh, to a Filipino girl in the Philippines because I studied in the Philippines for a year and a half in college and I met a girl there and I married her Okay, and then we came back and I think I was married for about 10 years wow it's a long time yeah yeah (laughs) time flies by when you're in the military okay because that 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 I think we were married for like a couple of years before the military, probably four or five years before the military, and then I joined the military, and then I did the rest of my. Then, then I was married to her while I was in the military. So, did you? What? Well, you obviously not married anymore, or what happened? Oh, I am divorced. Right. Okay. I'm guessing that was that anything to do with the military, or was that just uh, kind of not? No, nah, that was something that was probably going to happen, right, regardless. Okay military or not the military just made it easier for me to step away right okay well actually easier for her to step away because i didn't get the door she did right okay okay i'm sorry to hear that that's not so good no i'm not (laughs) okay (laughs) 
And my son is amazing. He's uh, he, he turned 18 in October. 18. Wow. And uh, yeah, he turned 18 in October. He's uh, he's a he's an actor in the high school for the performing arts. Oh, fantastic! And, Brilliant. Yeah, and he's actually the. I've never been able to be the popular kid in school, but my son actually is the popular kid in school. That's great news. And, and he's he's top of his class as far as the acting industry is concerned. He he's been paid. He's he's since he was about 14, 15, and now he's 18. And he's getting ready to go to college. And we've got Juilliard, NYU, Carnegie Mellon, Guthrie, and one other that's on the list. And so I'm really proud of him. That's good. Fantastic. Right, well, let's say I've got my my song queued now. uh, After Yay, (laughs) let's hear some music. Alrighty, so this is uh, Andrew Sullivan's new song, Give Your Love Away. And we'll be back with uh, Hurt after this, and then we'll talk a bit more about the Navy Corps. And then we'll do our minute, we'll come into our minute silence and talk uh, and go from there, her segment. And we'll be back after this.
welcome back to Ramsey on these going beyond borders on heartsonlive.co.uk. We are have a Remembrance Day special with uh, our guest, Hurt Porter the Third, all the way from Houston, Texas. We've currently just been talking about where he, how he grew up in Texas and he, how he, why he joined the Navy Corps. It was all due to September the 11th, but we're going to find out a bit more information in the Navy Corps when, when just what he did and um, a bit more insight. And um, then we'll have, go into our minute silence time and um, respecting for the Remembrance Day. Um, or the fallen on Remembrance Day this time, this weekend, as in tomorrow is the day, the 11th day, and the 11th hour and 11th month we remember them um, tomorrow. But uh, hey, how you doing? Hurt? You still cooking my gas? I am still here just waiting, you know, to, to continue this interview. Having fun. It's good. I appreciate you being on the show, and thank you. It's uh, great to uh, have you here. Um, so, tell us a bit more. Just the, your time in the Navy Corps. From obviously, just tell us what ha- what went on. Where did you go? The places you went, and just a bit more insight. Well, when I got into the Corps, I started off in um, Naval Special Warfare Base, working with the. Uh, the Special Operations Division over there. Then from there, I went to Balboa, which is a training hospital. And I worked with uh, doctors and nurses in dermatology, cardiology, surgery, etc., learning the, uh, the ins and outs of not just medicine, but how to teach medicine. And from then there... I went to uh, Camp Pendleton to work with the Marines, and that was where I got all my real serious high-speed, low-drag medical training where I got a chance to, you know, cut throats open and stick tubes down their, their, um, their throats so they can breathe doing needle thorn thesis for uh, collapsed lungs, stuff like that. And uh, by the time I was finished with that, it took about a year and a half. And after I was done with all the training there, then I got put on a transition team and shipped off to Iraq. Wow. Yep. Now, all of that took a total of six years, though. Six years. (laughs) It didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen all in like two, uh, because core school, boot camp was like 13 weeks then core school was three months then um being in special operations uh uh, naval special warfare that took about six months and then the other medical stuff that took about a year so by the time i saw combat i'd already been in the military about three to four years before i got a chance to see combat so what was it like experiencing the combat? See, everybody has their own thing. And I don't want to make myself sound like a warmonger, somebody who has to to always be fighting. But what I did and where I was, I enjoyed my life. It was, it was just, you, war is very simple. You eat, you sleep, and you try not to die. 
That's a good good philosophy, really. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's it's, that's that's pretty much what it is, and it's very simple. It's Mm -hmm. not complicated. You know who your enemies are. You know who your friends are. You know, and everybody's working together to for a positive outcome. And it's it's just everything just it's it's the smoothest thing. I, I've ever seen, and you know, they, they when in the movies and etc., you see the chaos and the action and except and all that. But what people don't tell you about war is you can go for weeks with nothing, just weeks of nothing, just, and then all of a sudden everything, and then weeks of nothing, and then everything. So it's it's um when when you see the movies and they're walking through the woods and they're walking through stuff and they're having a good time and they're talking and I, that could last for weeks if not months so get, well, and then just one day you're chilling and then something pops off and you're ready so it just so it can be quite so it's not really a fast process you just no war is not a fast process when when firefights happen and stuff like that they can happen anywhere from 30 seconds they last as long as 30 seconds or three days. It all depends on how much money the people have that are attacking. Wow. So were you in any crossfire at all? Were you, were you in... Say that again. Were you did, were you involved in crossfire with attacking and all that, yeah? I had one I had one incident. I didn't I didn't put any rounds down range because I didn't have to. But we had one incident where um, we were... We were called into the field because we were we were training. Remember, I was on a border fort and I was training the Iraqis how to fight. So there was a situation where there was um, a fight going on, and we all drove down there. And while we got out our Humvees and and was helping the Iraqis, but the funny part is, is that while we're advancing, the Iraqis are shooting over our heads, and we're like, whoa. That's not how it goes, you know. And then, and, and the one of the things we didn't know at the time is that they're given like three or four um, AK the the seven six two rounds AK forty seven rounds. They're given about five to six rounds, right. and it, within their group, they might have fifty rounds. And the only way they can get rounds is if they report that they need it. So when the situation was happening, they were just trying to shoot their bullets off. (laughs) (laughs) And they were trying to shoot as many bullets as they could. They weren't even aiming at anything. And and, because after they shoot, they get a chance to order more and they'll get a surplus of of, uh, bullets. So when we were there, when we were out there, they were just shooting like crazy and we're trying to orchestrate them and they're trying to get shots off. And so that was like a little scary and dangerous. And but once once we were done, I think we had one guy on the team. He he hyperextended his knee because he he was running trying to get in position and fell into a hole. <laughs> that oh was God. funny. Good grief. And then we we had another guy after everything's over and we're going through the contraband. He cuts his hand open. That was funny. Um and I and and not haha funny but yeah we go through the firefight we go through all this stuff go you know he avoids everything and then he cuts his hand you know <laughs> it, it, and there 
there's a lot of like ironic things that happen in the military. Like you'll have one guy, he'll want to go to the bathroom really bad, but somebody outranks him, goes to the bathroom. And while he's in the bathroom, he blows up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so you got the guy who is in a lower rank and he's having issues like, wow, if, if I would have gone to the bathroom, that would have been me. Yeah. So it's, um, I, I only experienced one firefight. We've been shot at a couple of times, but back in the day when I was in Iraq, our rules of engagement was we had to have positive ID. In other words, we had to see the shooter before we could shoot. So even though we may see muzzle flash, or we might have an idea where somebody's shooting at us, we can't really shoot back unless we saw. Right, okay. And so we we got we we got people, you know, shooting at us from time to time, but we very seldom could we could we return fire because we couldn't see them. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So any any more to say to the Navy Corps? Anything else you'd like to to share with people who just don't know much about the Navy Corps at all? Uh, Navy Corps, well, the thing about it is that the Marines don't have corpsmen. They don't have medics. The Navy supplies their medics. So what happens is that you have uh, a large amount of uh, people who go in as medics into the Navy, and then they're separated into the Marine Corps, into the Navy, and and that's pretty much how they live their life. So you got a green side of uh, which is what the the is the Marine Corps side, and then you have the blue side, which is the Navy side. And the cool thing that most people don't know is that the Navy and the Marine Corps are the same department. The Navy is the Marine Corps is a department of the Navy. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So well, we're going to go into just a quick question. How long were you? When did you actually leave the Navy Corps? Say that again. Uh, when did you leave the Navy Corps? Uh, back in 2009, June 14th, I think it was. Okay. Well, we're going to go into our stage of our time of remembering, uh, of remembrance, um, of a minute's silence in honour of the, the lost. Um, and it is 100 years this year since World War One, uh, the Armistice Day. So we, not today exactly, but it's the, this year we remember them. Uh, wow, a hundred years uh, since World War One. Yeah, wow. And it's time, time flies. Um, but we, as we remember the fallen, remember from the two world wars, the people who have served, fallen in different, many, many other wars um, after World War Two. I mean, remember these people who have sacrificed their lives for uh, our freedom, and we give thanks for them. We give thanks for what they've given up because. Uh, in this day and age, there's a lot of people who every s- single year seem to stand or stand against the poppy, what we, which remembers these things or think it's not relevant to this day. But these people need to think, be educated and think that these, we, I would not be sitting here right now, probably. Hurt Porter may not be uh, basically where he is right now uh, if the war was not won. If Germany had won the war, if uh, it was a different outcome, we would probably not be talking right here, right now. And for the younger generation, who need to be educated. You may not be around right now. So it's the people who have given their lives, have sacrificed uh, for us to why we are sitting or where we are or listening to this or wherever you are in the world 
right now is because of what they have done for us. So we are going to start, we'll, we'll play, um, just to give us get us in the mood to realise that what they would have gone, probably gone through, we will have a minute's silence and um, we will then have a, some more music and we'll hear a bit more about what Hurt is doing um, now and what he's trying to do with, regarding PTSD and stuff and talking and helping vets etc and we'll go from there so um, let's say uh, we will start and then we'll have a, a bit of a prayer as well for those in remembrance to say thank you and um, yeah so as I say please if you are listening uh, let's remember and we'll be back in a second Thank you for those who served us and gave us sac- sacrificed their lives for us. We give for our freedom we have today, Lord, that we give thanks to these people who have served, whether in the navy, the army, or wherever they were serving. That the from wherever they were, um, at, at their age, their young age, that they sacrificed, that we give them, we give thanks for them, and we want to just bow our heads as we take a minute's silence and. As we remember these people, we'll be back in a minute.
this is Afia Letha from KingdomBeats.com. Proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders on HeartsongLive.co.uk.
Welcome back to Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders on heartsonlive.co.uk If you're watching on Facebook, well, thank you that you've been watching I didn't quite see the comments there, but I do see them now So thank you if you have been watching and listening to myself But also my guest, Hart Porter III uh, Who has served in the Navy Corps And what he did, been training Iraqi soldiers And he left recently in 2009 Which I want to say not that recently, but as I say, nearly 10 years ago I'm going to talk a bit about what he does now and what he did after the the Navy Corps hit and what he, I mean, what life went getting a job or what he went through. And we're going to talk a little bit about PTSD, but we'll let him dissect that. So, how you doing, Hurt? Are you still cooking my gas? You still okay? Yep, I'm still here. Let's do it. Okay, tell us, uh, after leaving the Navy Corps, tell us uh, what happened, what was life. Tell us how your life unfolded. What? Well, after leaving, I had like a good six months of fun, and it was, I pretty much just partied and chilled and just had no no obligations, and that was, that was really good. The thing, though, is that I, I left the military and was working with my family, and it, it was really hard. And it was hard because when I came back, I was thrown, I was handed divorce papers. Mm -hmm. And then, so I had to deal with that. And then I also had to deal with the transition from military life to civilian life. And I also had to deal with the the financial change because there's a financial change when you leave the military and you go into the civilian world. The the amount of money you needed to survive in the military, you need about twice as much as that to the to survive on the uh, on the outside. Okay. And so that you know, dealing with the generating of income, that was a challenge as well. Because in the military, when you go to start a business or you go to do other things. You're just surrounded by people that just know what to do, and in the civilian world, you're the, the, a lot of people you meet are incredibly incompetent. Right, and I'm not saying that to be because uh, I'm military and I can be judgmental. No, I mean a lot of people out here in the civilian world don't are not required to know their job like we are in the military. Yeah, and so. When I started working with people on the outside, I just started, I, I realized how many people just didn't know what they were talking about. And it cost me a lot of money. And I messed up with a couple of businesses that I was starting because I just had really, really bad advice. And leading up to that six month period after I got out the military, I was also having challenges with my son because I'm thinking I'm dealing with my son nice and kind or what have you. And there was one day he messed up and he did something that he shouldn't have done. And I was talking to him, but the way I was talking to him scared him so much he peed on himself. Oh, my goodness. And that was when I realized that there was something wrong. Because I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that I was upsetting people. or I couldn't see it. And that was when I realized something was wrong. And I checked myself into 
the VA probably a week later. Because mm-hmm. I almost because uh, that incident happened, I was like, okay, well, you know, I need to work on myself, need to work on some stuff. This is not good. But then a couple of days later, I was outside and the atmosphere was just like Iraq. It, it was it just rained and it was it was muggy and cold and it was dark and in, in the desert contrary to what people believe it's freezing cold at night it okay. is not hot during the day you know it, it the desert can be 110 degrees during the day and drop down to 50 to 40 degrees at night easy well and so it just everything just felt like i was in iraq and so i zoned out and, you know, my father, he came up behind me and was like, hey, is everything OK? And I jumped on him and the, and I was going to kill him because I wasn't expecting anybody to be around at that time. And when I jumped on him, um, the only thing that really kept me from killing him is that the tile floors broke up the the the. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It broke up the trance because there's no tile floors in Iraq. It's all sand. And so when I saw the tile floors, I was like, shoot. And I looked and I saw my dad and I just broke down crying. Right. Because I thought I could control it. I thought when I came home, I could control it. But I didn't realize that when everything, when you're in war, everything is split second reaction. You don't have time to think about the appropriate way to react or the appropriate way not to react. You react and you just hope that your training falls in. Everything becomes muscle memory. And so that level of action, you don't really need to think about because when the poop hits the fan, you will do what you need to do. You've done it so much. You trained so much. You've, you've conditioned yourself though so much that when certain things happen, you do what you need to do. And, um, that's what I did. And in the civilian world, you have to think twice, three times, count to 10, da, 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 da. It's everything is not that fast. Everything moves a lot slower. And when I realized that split second reactions don't work here and there was some transitioning I needed to do, that was when I checked myself in the VA and I started taking uh, classes and I started getting help. Because I realized I wasn't going to be able to do it by myself. Okay. So how did you get over, by being in the VA, did that help you get over your PTSD to control that, that the transition from being in... Well, you never... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry no, about no, that. No, 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 on you go. That's cool. On you go. Well, you're never really over PTSD. PTSD is going to always be with you. Right. You just have to learn how to deal with the triggers and the responses to where... You just function normal like everybody else. You're just a lot more sensitive to outside environmental stuff than most people. And it took me about six and a half years to get the hang of it and about 10 years to be complete back to normal. Wow. Yeah, it it usually takes, for most military personnel, and if you go through history and you look at the history of all the warring countries like China and Japan and Africa, where everybody's always fighting somebody or they're 
the history of their culture has been civil war, you'll find that it takes about 10 years for everybody who's been within that war to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. And, it, and so it took me about 10 years from 2009 all the way up until 2018, which is now 11, to get back my sense of belonging, sense of understanding, get my humanity back, get my spirit, get my spirit my spirit back. I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. And I lost my, and I lost myself being, being in the military. And I had to find myself to when I got, when I got back and the process in the VA that really helped me out was they worked on emotional intelligence. And one of the things that I find is that, even in the civilian world. But in the military world, we teach everybody discipline. We don't really teach anybody self-discipline. You know, it, it discipline because it, it, everybody thinks you have self-discipline because you, you keep everything together and, and you're on time and this, that, and the other. But the fact of the matter is, is that you get in trouble if you're late. You get in trouble if everything isn't together. So it's really not self-discipline. It's pretty much discipline you're learning. Mm-hmm. And so while you're in the military, you learn discipline. And and the reason why I say you don't really learn self-discipline in the military, because if you learn self-discipline in the military, when a lot of these military guys get out, they'd be okay. But they're not. Because there's a certain level of self-discipline you're not taught in the military. You, you, you're, your self-discipline is based on everybody around you. And I had to learn self-discipline all over again because there were certain things that I got in the military that was just handed to me that I had to work for in the civilian world. You know, when you're in the military, eating three, day, eating three times a day is handed to you. Yeah, and now you have to fight for it and earn the money, basically. Okay. Yeah. You have to, you can, yeah. It doesn't just happen. It's not so eating. Happen, go you, ahead, go ahead. No, it doesn't just happen. Obviously, you've got to get, you've got to work. You've got to do whatever you need to do. To, you've got to cook. You've got to cook your own food. Obviously, in the military, you're saying it's basically all done for you. Yeah, it's like, shoot, I'm hungry at 7 o'clock in the morning. I go to the galley. And you know, answer. 12 o'clock, I go to the galley. 7 o'clock, I go to the galley. I don't have to cook anything, and I don't have to buy any food. So that's an expense I don't have to worry about. Get out the military, that is an expense. And a, a skill and craft, you got to learn if you don't know it. And I didn't know how to cook. <laughs> so so where did you learn to cook? Uh, I learned how to cook out of necessity. Shoot. You know, it gets you, you can only spend so much at restaurants and 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 burger king and etc before it gets incredibly expensive and yeah and so i i literally got on youtube started learning how to cook uh wounded warriors reached out to them and somebody gave me a bunch of cookbooks and 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 some cooking information and i just I, I just went out and just learned how to live again, and that was that was a journey. It's not easy having to. I mean, especially when you're having a living just to try and function and stay in the game, you know. 
Oh, yeah. Because the thing about it is, is I was learning how to live while I was working through PTSD. Because when I checked into the VA and they were helping me, we found out I had PTSD in the process as well. Right. Okay. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curled up in a ball in my bed, you know, crying all day long. That's an exaggeration by a couple hours. And, <laughs> and, um, and then I had to get up and cook because my son still stayed with me every now and then. And so I had to pick him up from school, cook, etc. And it, 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 moving with PTSD is kind of sort of like having a heavy rubber blanket just wrapped around you. Right, okay. You can you can do what you need to do, but you can't move like you used to because there's so much going on in your head that that quick movement and fast response just ain't gonna happen. Right, okay. Tell us you what made you come? You're sort of obviously not, you never get rid of it, but you're at a stage now that you're starting to help others, aren't you? Well, what happened is, is that for about six years, I'm over here helping myself. And a lot of the military organizations in, 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 in America, in America, not just Houston, in America, right? a lot of the military organizations in America are just phony and they're just put up for money. They don't really help people. Okay. And 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 they've got their little great advertisements and etc. But if you do your research and you really look in deep on what organizations are helping military personnel and what organizations are not, there's a large majority of organizations that are not helping military personnel that was actually created to help military personnel. Okay. And so when I saw that, I, and I experienced it, I mean, I was going through PTSD, I almost lost my house like four times. My word. And I would, it, but I wasn't, but my house wasn't saved four times by all these organizations. The house was saved because of my work. And twice the military organizations helped me, but it was the same military organization. <laughs> and, and I called a whole lot of them. And I was like, I'm about to lose my house. Help me. Da, 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 da. And they were like, well, we can't do anything. It, one of the things about the organizations that exist today, they are, they don't exist for military personnel who are looking for help. They exist for military personnel who, who need the help. And that's, they, they, that's all they can do. Like if you have a house and you have a car and you have everything together, and you're military, and you go for help, it's a hell of a lot harder getting help than if you have no car, have no house, have no... They'll help you, get you all that if you don't have it. If you do have it, there's nobody out there to help you maintain it. There's nobody out there that says, okay, if you don't do this, 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 you're going to lose what you got. And one of the things that I do is... I now help military personnel transition from military life to civilian life. And one of the things I tell them is if you don't do this, 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 you're going to lose, period. And I've pretty much made it where I take leaders who are leaders and I just show them how to lead more effectively out here in the civilian world. That's it. That's good. 
and I give them skills, techniques, and tactics in order to make it. And uh, right now I'm on Facebook. It's uh, Hurt Porter III, you know, on Facebook. And soon I'm going to enlarge it and turn and actually make a subsidiary where my corporation holds. Because right now I'm just helping veterans through just me doing what I need to do. But I now have a a corporation called The Unbreakable Legacy. And I want to make a subsidiary within that corporation and turn it into a 501c3 where I'm able to help vets on a more larger scale. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited. That's great. Well, let's we're, we're kind of coming up to a stage of running out of time a little bit. So what we'll do is we are going to be slightly over. Um, where can people co- find you and contact you if they are uh, an ex-vet and they are going through something like PTSD and maybe they're just not getting the help that they need, but need what you're okay. offering? So I help... Vet- I help professional veterans. If you're, if a veteran is homeless, or they have PTSD, if a if a if a vet is homeless, I don't help them. I send them to somebody else. Right. Okay. I don't have the resources for that. Right. If a veteran's suffering from PTSD and they haven't sought uh, uh, psychological help yet, or they haven't tried to get things done, I don't help them either. I send them to somebody. Okay. I'm looking for professional veterans who are suffering from PTSD and anxiety and and transitioning who are still ready to do the work because okay. it requires work. Right. And professional veterans what, what what's what's been happening is that we don't mess with or deal with or help the professional veteran until the professional veteran is homeless alcohol is an alcoholic and a drug addict and then we'll help them and what i do is i help the professional veteran before they become homeless and an alcoholic and etc and so basically if you're functioning and you're moving but there's something wrong and you just need a group of people or somebody to help you get online that is what i do Okay. And I can be reached on Facebook right now through Messenger. And come next year, there's going to be a whole website, whole function, whole etc. that focuses on military personnel and getting a transition together. But right now, it's on Facebook at Hurt Porter III, and there's resources, and there's also military people that are on my Facebook that I uh, suggest other people to like there's a guy his name is Dylan he helps people get jobs there's uh, another woman she's an accountant she works with with vets dealing with their money there's another woman I have who works with vets dealing with business so there's there's I'm, I'm slowly building a network to help uh, professional veterans not end up like everybody else because it's a process to end up where you're homeless and you're just, your PTSD is so far gone. There's just, you have to decide to help yourself because there's just no way anybody can give you the support to where you just get over. Cool. And um, yeah, so that's it. Well, we, we will have all Hurt's links uh, on the show notes and when this goes out as a podcast uh, for those who are listening on the replay of a podcast. 
um, that you will be able to connect with him uh, out with um, and find and get support from basically what he does. We want to thank you to Hurt for his service and uh, what he's done for yeah, people. My pleasure. I want to thank you for him. Uh, we're going to take two minutes out and then we're going to come back and we'll have the final word from Hurt and uh, to say thank you for everyone just to say we are remembering the fallen this weekend we give thanks to those who sacrificed their their life for us and to why I'm technically sitting here right now because if it went the other way I may not be in life Britain, America the world could be a very, very different picture as it is today. So just give us a short couple of minutes and we'll be back with Hurt to give him the final word. And we say thank you for listening if you have been. And we, for those who are able to get to a service tomorrow on Remembrance Day Sunday, please do remember. And um, yeah, and thank you. And we'll be back in a second. This is Afia Letha from KingdomBeats.com. Proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders on HeartsongLive.co.uk. You have been listening to Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders. You have been listening on HeartsongLive.co.uk. We've had our guest, Hurt <coughs> Porter III. Uh, lest we forget. Uh, lest we forget. Please have the final word, Hurt. 
Well, all I can say is this. If you are military, you have somebody who you love that's military or you love military, one of the things that we all need is somebody to listen to. Now, I'm not telling anybody to listen to somebody just so they can listen to them. If you don't like them, don't listen to them. But if they're your family or your friend and you love them and you care for them and, you, and they, they got some things to talk about, listen, you don't have to identify, you don't have to understand, you don't have to to really even get it. But the fact that you're listening and you're curious and you're interested in what's being said, it goes a long way. Got to remember that we, these men and women, are pretty much 1% of the population. And, and that's in America, that's in the UK, that's in, in a lot of places, unless there's a mandatory enlistment. Most people that where it's a voluntary enlistment, the, the population that gets involved in the military is really, really small. So in order for, you know, there's a healing that we got to go through. And since nobody really talks about it because it doesn't happen all the time, Nobody really understands. And so just listen. And if it gets too much and you can't handle it, you can't take it, just say, hey, this is too much. I can't handle that. I can't take it. And move on because we're, we're one of the things that I find as military personnel, it's like now since I'm military, I've become superhuman. Like I can handle things that most people can't handle and I can do things that most people can't do. And to a certain extent, some of that's true, but I'm still human. I still feel, I still have emotions, I still have have feelings of care, love, fear. They're all present. And for people to remember that when they deal with military personnel and not forget that we are still human, it it will help with, with the connection process. When, especially when somebody is just now getting out and they want to talk about things. And for those who've been in for a while, they're still going to talk about stuff, but they also just need your support and your care. And read a book. Read up on PTSD. Read, read up on emotional intelligence. Read up on trauma. Read up on anxiety. Don't, don't just listen, but get a book. Go on YouTube, look at a TEDx um, video, but really understand what your loved one is going through, your friend is going through. Because most people think they understand PTSD, but they don't really have a clue or an idea what PTSD really is and why PTSD causes so many different reactions in people and why some people get PTSD and some people don't. There's 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 a big, huge, um, massive amount of information when it comes to PTSD, but people are made to, to think that PTSD is just as simple as shell shock, and they just have to get over it. Okay. So it's, H, it's Hurt Porter, III, Facebook, and yeah, I hope uh, you got some information from it, because I really love talking about this. Well, thank you to everyone who's listened. Thank you to being a part of Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders on heartsonline.co.uk. Uh, we do have some new upcoming shows coming up on Hearts On Live. We will have uh, 
frame your day with Ife Latham. We'll have wise courtship with Tony Henderson Myers and dropping the knowledge with Kai Randolph. So soon, keep an eye out when these will be coming up soon. Um, will be happening soon, I should say. Um, so thank you, Hurt, for being on the show and uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening and, and be a part and who listens on the replay. And thank you. And as I say, let's be forget. Good night. Good night.